0: Friends, would you stand as we would hear the Lord's Word read this morning. Um, I will be reading verse 9 through 14 uh, in the Lord's Word. I'm reading from Colossians chapter 1. Again, this is the Lord's Word. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the Lord's word. Please be seated, friends. Again, Father, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand and pray that your blessing now be upon your word as it goes forward. Bless this servant that I might handle your word faithfully and clearly. Bless these, your people. We pray, Father, for those who are tired, for those who are hungry, for our little children who have a hard time, um, sometimes sitting still. We ask, Father, that your blessing be upon us all. And we rejoice, Father, for you have created each of us just as you wanted us to be. And so we pray that you administer to us now and uh, bless the going forward of this word and cause the kingdom of Satan great injury, we pray in Christ's name, amen. As we've been examining this letter to the church in Colossae, we have considered the work of God's grace in the lives of his people. Very important point to remember this, my friends. For all of the things that go on in our world today and all of the things that people say you need, oftentimes it is these very mundane things that people despise because they're not nearly sophisticated. And so why would I waste my time going to church when I could sit at home and watch repeats of Fox News for three hours, four hours, five hours, right? I need to really know what's going on. If you really want to make an impact on the culture, you got to know what's happening. And I would agree it's good to know, but it's not better. It's not better than knowing the Lord. It's not better than knowing his word, than knowing him. What is to make a greater impact on this world than the Lord? Than knowing the Lord and making the Lord known. The work that has been accomplished uh, by God's grace in the lives of these people is really the subject as we lo- have looked here at the, this first chapter to this point. It is work that has been accomplished by the word of God in the hands of his faithful servant. And in this case, it was Epaphras. Here, Paul and Timothy are giving thanks to God because of the new life that these pagans, these Gentiles, had being accomplished in them. You say, how, how does a pagan, how does a Gentile, how does somebody who's who's growing up in the Lycus Valley under Sybil worship and things like this, how do they... How are they set free? How are they changed? How do they come to faith? How do people in a town like Lander, with all of its strange ideologies that are afoot, how does a person come to faith in Jesus Christ? And then you can make this comparison, and you can say they're steeped in such darkness. What is able to crack that shell? What is able to make a way through? And what was the answer? It's the word of God in the hands of faithful ministers, bringing that word to bear upon people, preaching the gospel to them, is what the Lord uses to set people free. And our confidence mustn't be shaken from that very point, because the moment our confidence is shaken in that, the moment we say, well, the Bible, we've got to go to CBD and get a book and try to help people see it. I'm not anti-books, just hear me, but I am a little sick and tired of people denigrating the word of God as though it's kind of backwoodsy old-fashioned, get rid of it. And the moment you get rid of it, friends, we have lost all hope of ever reaching the world. And this is a big deal in the church for those who pay attention to these sorts of things. Um, the church is oftentimes forced to let those things go don't you know pastor you can get more people in the church if you quit preaching and reading that thing so much and and make prayer just a little less prominent don't you know we want to have a big thriving church you got to get them in here with certain things and so the pressure on the church and many churches have caved to this very mindset and so there would be churches you could go to in town and they wouldn't bore you with a 45 minutes sermon but you know what else they won't do? They won't be feeding your soul they won't be and they won't be advancing the kingdom of God but the kingdom of Satan and their churches grow not because God is in their presence but because they are esteeming men and that's easy to do it's easy to play to people's flesh Paul and Timothy are rejoicing because God is the one through his word Through the hands of this faithful servant, Epaphras, who, by the way, was called a fellow bondservant and a faithful servant of Christ, God used this faithful man to bring his word to bear, and God brought about faith, and a faith that showed a love, and it was based upon the hope that was laid up for them in heaven. It's beautiful. It's simple. It's wonderful. The only way you can mess up this thing is just shut your Bible and don't talk about it. That's the truth. It was not, their new life was not the result of anything other than the Word of God in the hands of this faithful minister. But Paul and Timothy desire more for these saints and faithful brethren in Christ than mere conversion. They would not desire them to remain as babes. And oftentimes, again, In my critique of the church oftentimes we're content with people just saying a prayer being converted put them on the membership roll and forget about them that's not what we should be thinking as a church and that's not what you should be thinking for yourself oh i've been converted i'm a follower of jesus christ but i have no interest of going deeper that should be a warning sign to you kind of like when you put the blood cuff of the blood pressure cuff and it's reading 180 over 130 that should be a war you're still alive but maybe not for long right christianity is more than just being converted it's being made into a disciple a student a follower of jesus christ too often we're content with just i'm just going to get in by the skin of the, the skin of my teeth But that's not what the Lord calls us to, and you notice this because Paul and Timothy and the prayer, which we read, you see that they are interested that these saints who have begun well would continue well in the things of the Lord. The goal must be and should be maturity in the things of the Lord that is becoming disciples. So what does this look like? To persevere in Christ in the face of hardship. When hardship comes upon us, do you run away or do you... You persevere in following Jesus Christ yes I know you don't like the fact that I follow Jesus Christ guess what I'm going to follow Jesus Christ because nobody else has life Um, it is a call to persevere in holiness when temptations come when the devil, the world and the flesh tempt us to go against Christ the Christian says no, no more Uh, that is not what the Lord wants me to do and I will fight against it that's what a mature Christian does It is to discern between truth and error and to cling to truth, according to Hebrews 5. It is to know the Lord more intimately, to love him more, and to love yourself less. This is what a mature Christian looks like. It is loving each other. It is forgiving one another. It is having a compassion for the lost. These are but a few things of what it means to be a mature Christian disciple a mature christian in the lord again not to be mere professors of faith but to be those who in truth possess a saving faith that will one day receive the fullness of your inheritance that is to be with the lord in heaven this is what paul and timothy want for these christians not just baby things but mature things so they are interested in more that they have uh, more than just that they have started well. Uh, they are thankful for this, but they pray for more. Again, listen to this prayer. Since the day we heard of it, the work of God's grace in their lives, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks, or joyously giving thanks to the Father. This is what uh, for, for which they pray. They do not pray for health, not for money, that their fleshly desires be fed, but for the true blessings of knowing the will of God and living out His will growing to know him better, being strengthened that they will be steadfast in the face of hardship, and being joyfully thankful to the Lord. They seek that which is a true blessing for the Colossians. This is what they pray for. My friends, the Lord Jesus is the great desire of the Christian. There is no greater blessing that can be had than to know and walk with him. But our world brings a different message crushing in upon us the world is quite seductive catching us with our eyes and our minds and our emotions and they state there is something other than god or besides god that is to be desired or needed for life for a godly life you know i could just be a better christian if my family just behaved I could be a better Christian if I just had more money. I would be a better Christian if I just more disciplined. If I could just accomplish certain things. If I could just be set free from this mindset. I could just be a better Christian. And we lose our joy. And we think, I have to have all these other things. And then I need to go to all these other places. And all of a sudden, the church becomes sidelined as I pursue some one more hobby and one more thing, trying to find some kind of fulfillment, some euphoric feeling or experience that will pump me up for one more week until I get back to church. They pray that they ultimately may be blessed in the Lord. They pray that they, that is the Colossians, may know with certainty that the Lord alone is the source of all blessing. And when I say blessing, please hear me, if nothing else. Blessing does not equal stuff. It does not equal money. Please get over this. We're such Americans. We think blessing and we think money. And we think Joel Osteen and his big pearly white smile. God wants your best life now. That's not the blessing that these men pray for. The blessing they seek is to know the Lord and to rest solely in the Lord. This is why they come back around in their praying to joyously giving thanks to the Father. Paul and Timothy understand that the Lord is the source of all blessing. We've seen this. He says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you in verse 3. And then he comes around to the end of this prayer to say, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Why should these people, why should these Christians... In Colossae, be giving joyous thanks to the Father. The first reason he gives, they give, is because it is God, the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What the apostle writes here is he not only writes regarding the Colossians but he includes himself and Timothy. Notice up to this point he's been using the word you and now he says us. He changes the pronoun uh from you to us. What he says regards all who are, all whoever are in Christ, meaning Paul was not saved one way and the Colossians another way or that there are some who are saved because they are worthwhile and others who are not. He uses the pronoun uh, us again. Uh, he includes himself in what he is about to say. Understand that when we use the word qualified, when Paul uses the word qualified, um, he, he, he qualifies it. <laughs> he qualifies qualify. Um, no one is naturally qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I think this is an important point for us to understand in our self-esteem movements of the United States, right, where every kid gets an award regardless of what he's done or if he's performed, um, in this culture what we, what we say is, is that everyone's, everyone's good, everyone's going to get in, and everyone's safe. Understand that no one is naturally qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, Jew or Gentile, No one has a right, no one has an entitlement to the favor or blessing of God. Friends, this is a very important point. Some of you will just check out right now because you will say, not this again. Some of you really believe that you're not so bad and you pick people around you. You you listen to people in the news and you say, boy am I glad I'm not that guy or boy am I glad I'm not that woman. I'm, I'm better than that. And we, we automatically start thinking, I'm kind of qualified. I'm a pretty decent guy. You know, I didn't steal. I, I didn't kill any of my classmates. I didn't eat anyone. I didn't do those things. So I'm a pretty decent guy. I'm not a Stalin, a Hitler, or a, Ge- a Jeffrey Dahmer. Understand, no one has a right, no one has an entitlement to the favor or blessing of God. Your backgrounds, your pedigrees, your accomplishments mean entirely nothing. They merit nothing. This is so important to understand. If you were to understand the gospel, if you were to understand what new life means, you've got to understand that you are as wretched as a rotten corpse. It's disgusting. And that's the way the scriptures refer to us. There's none good, there's none who are righteous, there's none who seeks after God, that our righteousness are as filthy rags, that every thought of the intention of our heart is only evil continually. Listen to what Paul says of Jews and Gentiles. He's lumping them both together here in Ephesians 2. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the year or according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest tell me which one of these words says something good about yourself you were dead you've trespassed against the Lord. You have sinned against the Lord. you, you, You walk according to the world. You are sons of disobedience, lust, flesh, children of wrath. Which one of those words says you're qualified? Not a one of them. Not a one of them says you're qualified. In fact, they say that you are disqualified based on this. You are disqualified from heaven. That's the sinner. Disqualified from heaven. But he says, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us. It's not from you that qualification comes, but from God the Father that qualification comes. God has qualified us, meaning that he has rendered us fit or made us sufficient, met the demands that concerned us in contrast to what the false teachers were instructing people. Again, the false teachers were saying to be qualified you've got to alter your diets. You've got to start performing at certain festivals. You've got to start observing certain things, new moons and Sabbaths. These were people who cheated the Christians by those who took delight in false humility and the worship of angels. They're saying if you want to be qualified for heaven, and this is the way we think, As Americans, if I want to be qualified, I've got to do and must do certain things. If I really want to be a good Christian, I've got to homeschool. If I really want to be a good Christian, I'm not going to touch certain beverages. If I really want to be a good Christian, I'm going to stay with the PG movies and I'm going to have the little voice curse box removing bad language from the movies. Then I'll be a good Christian. And it would be so easy for me to just say, if you want to be a good Christian, friends, See me after service and I'm going to hand out a checklist and you just make sure that you do all of these things and then we can be very proud of ourselves for what good Christians we are. It'll be very easy and this is the Colossian heresy. Jesus wasn't enough. So you you change your diet. Stop eating certain foods. Stay away from pork and bacon. Stay away from beef. And then you see God will smile all over you, and you can make yourself qualified too. And tell me this isn't the the religions of the world around us today. Stay away from coffee. Stay away from soda pop. Stay away from from smokes. Stay away from those certain things that are extra worldly, and then you'll be better. We can make all sorts of arguments healthwise why you might want to stay away from those things, but they were saying not for health reasons. But for spiritual health reasons, you must stay away from these things. I'm not telling anyone to go out and get drunk or to start smoking. (laughs) Please, do you understand there's a difference between what we're saying here? I'm not promoting licentiousness when I'm saying these things. What I'm trying to do, and I pray that I'm doing, is that I'm lifting up Jesus Christ, my friends, that he's enough. He's enough. He is enough for us. What has he done for this sinner to qualify us? What has he done to make us um, qualified for heaven? To cause us to share or have a portion of the inheritance of the saints in light? You understand what an inheritance is? It is that which is passed from one who has to another who doesn't. We think of wealth and assets, material items that are passed from parent to child upon death my friends the lord has taken the unworthy sinner who was without god in the world separate from christ without hope and by his doing we are made children and heirs those who are to be given an inheritance listen to what paul says in romans 8 He says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifying with our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, listen to this, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. He has qualified us. We, along with those in Christ, the saints, those who are set apart by the work of Christ, inherit all that is truly good. What is truly good? That is a knowledge of the Lord. We get to know his love, his peace, his joy, his grace, his salvation. That's what the Lord has qualified us to share in. It is the Lord alone who, by his grace, my friends, has qualified his people to have part in this blessing and this future hope, and it is no one else. Listen to me. It is not the Pope, nor is it saints who have died and gone ahead of us to heaven. It is not Mary or you yourself by what you have done or would do that qualifies you, but it is the Lord. He has qualified us, and for this, we ought to thank him. The question is, how has he done it? And this is what we see next uh, as a summary of his divine work of redemption in verses 13 and 14. Listen, uh, verse 13, it is the Lord who has both rescued us and transferred us. So he's qualified us. Now, Paul says he's rescued and he's transferred us. Listen to verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Before he qualified us, we need to understand that we were separate from Christ and excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and we were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's Ephesians 2. This was our condition prior to being qualified. We were in the domain or the realm of darkness. My friends, this is the sinner apart from Christ. He is stuck in the domain of darkness. Question is, what is it? And I don't think we fully understand what exactly the domain of darkness is. Let me say first of all, um, domain of darkness sounds awfully foreboding. It sounds spooky, right? Um, it sounds scary. Why wouldn't everyone want to flee from this? It's because the world doesn't look at it this way. They don't look at themselves as being on a sinking ship. They don't see themselves as being in the domain of darkness. In fact, if you were to ask the world, what are those crazy people doing in church on a Sunday morning? What a bunch of brainwashed idiots is the way that they look at the Christian. And it's funny because we look at them and say, how deceived. They sit in darkness and they don't even know it. They see it as being good and right. The domain of darkness is that realm over which Satan resides. We covered this some in Sunday School this morning. Listen to what Second Corinthians four four says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Listen in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Did you hear that? God, small g, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. John would say in 1 John 5, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, and in John 14, the gospel, Satan is called the ruler of this world. and We are told that sinners are held captive by him to do his will and that they are ensnared by him. That is the devil, Satan, that serpent of old, the one who was called an accuser, a tempter. Now bear in mind, this is how The the God of this age is defined. This is the one who sits over the realm of darkness. So if you were to say, what an evil king, what an evil ruler, I'm defining for you just how evil and how dark it is. Think of this, that the God of this age is, is a devil. He is an accuser, he is a tempter, he is a deceiver, he was a murderer, is a murderer, and a liar, the father of lies. He is the prince of the power of the air. Peter says he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, and he is disguised as an angel of light. What is this domain like? Well, it's not one of light. It is one of darkness it is devoid of the characteristics of what we described as, as light so instead of joy what is the realm that the domain of darkness like instead of light or instead of joy it is sorrow instead of peace it is chaos instead of love it is hatred instead of holiness we find revelry and debauchery instead of life it is death this domain is one of sin and disobedience of rebellion and ignorance and blindness and falsehood and wrath and shame and strife and lack and bondage and gloom. It is devoid of morality and honesty. That's the domain of darkness. That's what we see. And this is the world in which we live. And this is what we witness. And the unregenerate man or woman are trapped in, supposing that it is good and that it is normal. And the reason they do so, friends, is because Satan has blinded them. Again, I give you just two examples. They, they are currently celebrating the murder of babies. They're fighting to murder babies. In what universe, friends, in what universe is that considered a normal thing? We had a cat who had kittens. And this cat, best cat I have ever seen. And I'd approach those kittens to pet them and she, her eyes would get huge and she'd grab those little kittens and she would drag them away somewhere else. What mother doesn't care for her, her young? Even animals do that. And yet we have women who are fighting to be able to kill their children. They're deceived. They celebrate the perverting of our children. How does that make any sense? How does that make any sense? They do it because they have been held captive by Satan to do his will. That's what the scripture says. They are under a domain of darkness. And before you start thinking that you are better than that, remember what Paul said Among them, we too all formerly lived. We have no reason to boast, my friend. We too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We were just like that, or would have been just like that, thinking that this is wisdom, the the 51%, the democracy and majority, and this is what the world has entitled good. And yet, what happened to you? Why do you sit here today? I'll tell you why. It is because of the kindness of God that you have been led to repentance It is because of God's kindness. We were just like them, full of pride and self-righteousness, having no interest in God, in fact, hating him. And if you say to me, well, I never hated God, let me ask you this, did you ever love him? Did you love him to obey him? Many people say they love the Lord. I'm just telling you, they say, I love the Lord. Do you obey him? Well, no. And I go, then don't say you love him. Don't say you love him. That's not love. Love, Jesus says, if you love me, what? You'll keep my commandments. Many people think, I love God because they're not like people over at the school board. That's not love. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He rescued us from this domain. He rescued us. The one who qualifies us is the one who has rescued us. He delivered us out of this realm. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Again, he delivered us by giving his Son, who was born under the law, fulfilling all righteousness in our place, Suffering humiliation and beatings and abandonment, rejection by the Father, he suffered the wretched death on the cross. This is how he's rescued us. He died and was buried. My friends, he did this for you because of your sins and my sins. And he was under the power of death for a time. But we are told that he rose victoriously from the grave. That's the gospel. And he destroyed the works of the devil. In fact, Jesus said this of himself when he began his public ministry. He said this in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel. Listen to this. To the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord This is precisely why Jesus came to set us free. God rescued us by the giving of his son and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So he takes us out of the domain of darkness. He transfers us over to the kingdom of his son. William Hendrickson said this, He brought us out of the dark and dismal realm of false ideas and chimerical, that is fanciful or fictitious ideals, into the sun-bathed land of clear knowledge and realistic expectations, out of the bewildering sphere of perverted cravings and selfish hankerings into the blissful realm of holy yearnings and glorious self-denials, out of the miserable dungeon of intolerable bonds and heart-rending cries into the magnificent palace of glorious liberty and joyful song. This is what the Lord has done. He has set us free. So as we stand and we, we hear the 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 machinations of this world around us and we hear people say i am what i am this by by birth i am this way this is what i am and i feel like i'm this kind of person and i've thought much on this this whole week that i go the veteran is one who has served in 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 the military the pregnant woman is one who is pregnant with a child the one who is is Native American or black or white. They are a particular race. But what do you do with somebody who feels a certain way? You can't put your fingers around it. You can't quantify it. It's not objective. And this is what the domain of darkness does. It, it allows me to, to remain in a delusion and a deception and to go on thinking that I'm, that I'm just this way and I feel this way so I must be this way. When objectively you say, dude, you've got a beard. You're a man. <laughs> Do you see this? But notice what's happening in our world, this domain of darkness That people actually are deluded into thinking things that are objectively false. And the rest of us are going along saying, Well, I guess I guess this is what they are. No, they're not. No, they're not. And this is where we would have been had the Lord not plucked us out and transferred us to the kingdom of his son, where we can look and say, That's a guy, that's a girl, that's a baby. And we can live objectively. This is what the Lord has done for us. This is what he has done. Out from under Satan's stronghold into the kingdom of his beloved son who says, listen to what he says and remember what we heard the other night. I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired, said one girl who celebrates her identity, her orientation. She kept saying, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired of fighting this What does Jesus say? Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Listen, unlike Satan who is a tyrant, Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you see the goodness of God to the sinner? Do you see, friends, what he has done for us? And this blessing is not something to be held out for down the road, but it is a blessing that is present now. Oftentimes we think God's blessing is yet to come, but I tell you it's already here. Just not completely yet, but it is already present with us. The text says he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred, past tense, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We are not slowly gradually being transferred into the Kingdom of the Lord Jesus, rather he has accomplished this transfer. William Hendrickson said in principle we are are we already we are already in this present life uh, partake of the promised glory. Listen to Ephesians one, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. We have been given the Spirit of God as a pledge, as an earnest, as a first installment, if you will. The Christian is already experiencing the glory that is to come. Again, we read this in 1 John 2 8. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And again, Philippians 1.6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, we have in the Lord all that is necessary. Do you see this? And it's fascinating because their prayer Is that they would grow deeper in these things And as he's revealing what he has prayed And the reasons for why he prays these things What he's actually doing Is he's holding out before them Friends, it's not what you're doing It's not what these false teachers say Do you want to grow deeper in the Lord? Then gaze upon the Lord Look upon the Lord consider the things, the works the Lord has done for you and out of these things that the Lord has done, spring forth all sorts of wonderful things a greater desire to serve the Lord, to love the Lord to walk with the Lord, to know the Lord to hope in the Lord, to persevere in the Lord, to praise the Lord all of these things come about not by the list that I hand out to you and say we really want to make a good impression on the community around us so let's stop drinking, okay? We're not saying things like that. Why? Because that doesn't help the soul conquer sin. What does help the Christian conquer sin, what helps the Christian to grow in the Lord, is to walk with the Lord. Know the Lord. And watch how things begin to fade away. Some of you have walked with the Lord a very long time. And you couldn't recognize you if you compared your early self with your old self now. Why? Because the Lord has worked on you. It wasn't about creating lists and hoops for people to jump through. It was knowing the Lord. My friends, you can rest from your labors. Listen to Colossians 2. We'll get there in a few months. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind these people were treacherous they were trying to get these new christians and trying to steer them off the path and steer them away from the lord and paul and timothy are like no 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 no. you stay put stay put with the lord look what he has done on your behalf and i want you to notice It is the Lord who qualifies, it's the Lord who rescues, it's the Lord who transfers, and never once is it you and Jesus are going to get this done. It's Jesus who gets it done. There's wonderful blessing in this, and some of you, you may start feeling like your feet are wanting to dance, because the weight and the shame can be removed, the guilt can be removed. We have oftentimes talk about reading our Bibles, and I encourage you, read your Bible. But why? Because you have to? Uh-uh. You don't have to do anything. You read your Bible, friends, because you get to. You see the difference in this. We're blessed to have the word of the Lord. We get to read the Bible to know the Lord. Finally, my friends, verse 14 Jesus is enough, as he paid it all. And you'll notice that as we proceed in verse 15 and following, Christ is the crescendo here. He's the pinnacle of what the apostle would point people towards. Verse 14, he says, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It is in the beloved Son, in the Lord Jesus, that the sinner finds redemption The definition of redemption is a releasing effected by payment of a ransom, deliverance, liberation procured by the payment of a ransom. And here it's deliverance from the retributive, that is, think retribution. It is deliverance from the retributive wrath of a holy God and the merited penalty of sin. The scriptures are plain. We are slaves of sin. We are under a curse, bound for death. And Christ came into this world and ransomed us. Do you notice how each little section that I'm pointing to the qualified, the rescued, the transferred, and now this, that they keep hitting the very point that Jesus Christ is enough for us? He's enough. We don't need to look and mustn't look anywhere else. You were not redeemed, said Peter. You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life, inherited from your forefathers. But with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And resulting is the forgiveness of sins, the remission of their penalty. Redemption and forgiveness, my friends, go hand in hand. If you are redeemed, you are forgiven. And not some sins, but all your sins. Past, present, and future. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 103, and I'm almost done. He has not dealt with us according to our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. He has done it, my friends, through Jesus Christ. Finally, in Hebrews 10, we are told, But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. My friends, we give thanks to the Lord. Uh, We give thanks to the Father for the great things he has done for us through the giving of his Son. And why is this important here in the context of Colossians? Very simply, Because when someone does something for you, an act of undeserved kindness, an act of grace, an act of favor, there is nothing more to do but to give thanks. And that's where he ends with this. Giving thanks to the Father. Joyously giving thanks, he says, to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life There's nothing more to be done. There's nothing more to be said. Gifts are received. Um, They are not earned, nor are they paid for. The heresy these people were facing was that they couldn't really be sure of their salvation, and they must do more. That Jesus Christ alone wasn't enough. But he is. Jesus Christ is enough. And this is why we give thanks. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, again for your word, and we thank you for what you have done on our behalf. We pray that we would rest in what Christ has done. For the souls today that are embattled within themselves saying, I'll go home and I'll try harder. We pray, Lord, that they would look upon Christ, who is gracious to the sinner. We pray, Lord, that you would deliver us from evil, from the evil one, and from false doctrines, and from those things that want to creep in. And we pray, O Lord, that we would know you better, and that we would recognize the work that you have done on our behalf, that our lives and our mouths would pour forth in thanksgiving. We give all praise to you, Lord Jesus, who now sits at the right hand of the Father. We pray that your gospel would go forward And that men and women throughout this area would come to know you and rest in you. And that they would be set free from the doctrines of demons that surround us. We ask all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.